Hello and welcome to the Living in Jesus podcast. My name is Ross O'Hare and I'll be your host today. Living in Jesus is a podcast designed to explore the depths of what it means to live a grace-filled life with Jesus as the focus. On today's podcast, we will discuss the great exchange. As we discussed last week, God provided mankind with a solution to the problems of our sin and sinful nature through the death and resurrection of Jesus. As a result, when any one of us makes the choice to follow Jesus and give our lives over to him, something happens to us. This week, we will dive into the deep waters of the transformation or exchange we experience at the moment we choose Jesus to be our life. This is, of course, an eternal choice, which certainly has eternal ramifications. But how does this exchange of our impending death to glorious life affect us here and now in the world we live in? Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4:24, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. With that said, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and here we go. Joining me today is Greg Brazina. How are you today? I am fine, Ross. Good. I have peace amongst the stress. Good. And Mark, how are you? I'm good too, Ross. Uh, Mark, Thanks. Mark Fields again Thanks. and Tom Price. How are you? Hey, Ross. Good. Great. Thanks for being here today, guys. Like I said in the introduction, uh, I mentioned a transformation that happens to us on the inside at the moment of salvation. So for the sake of clarity, what does happen to us when we put our trust in Jesus? Mark, why don't you start with that question? Okay. When I was thinking about this podcast today, Ross, a word picture came to my mind because our last podcast, as you said in the introduction, we talked about how God, through Jesus on the cross, removed our sinful behaviors and yep. our sin nature yep. to remove that, to make the way for what he's going to do and what we're going to talk about today. But an image came to my mind. Um, back when I was uh, young married, my wife and I, we had bought, I think, our third house or something like that. Mm. And we were so excited to get all of our stuff and bring it into this new house. And on the first day of the month, which was change over time, I've got my U-Haul full of all of my furniture, and I'm pulling around a corner, and I look at the house, and they're still there. Mm. And there's their U-Haul. <laughs> and they're unloading, or they're putting everything out. And just the anticipation in my mind, I think, remove your stuff yeah. so I can put my stuff in. I want to move in. This is my house <laughs> now. Take that out of the way. Hmm. And so that's the connection to me of last podcast and this podcast of what God has done to remove it. Hmm. And the anticipation I've had of, of going on to this podcast to talk about what's happened to us in the transformation. But to take that illustration a little bit further, I know in a regular house, they remove their things and you put your things in the house. Yeah. But with what God has done in our nature, in our being with all of this, is imagine they removed their furniture and they left down the street and I got out a bulldozer and I bulldozed the house down because <laughs> I can't, I, I have no use for it. I took the yard and I ripped it up. In fact, I took up uh, at least a foot of topsoil. Yeah. And so everything that belonged and was of them was gone. So now I can rebuild and put everything that's mine in there. Mm. And that just is a description to me of what happened to us and transformation mm. and the day I believed in Jesus Christ in 1970. Yeah. And what we're going to talk about today, another illustration is so many times when we bring a person to the Lord, I learned this in evangelism class, you tell them, okay, here's what you need to do. Mm. And you hold out your five fingers, prayer, Bible study, worship, giving, and, and evangelism and stuff. But what is so important is to tell them, what this is what happened to you. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what to do is important. We're going to talk about that in later sessions. But yep. here's what happened to you. And so that's what we get to talk about today. Yeah, so I like your illustration. Obviously, you talk about a complete removal of the old, and then you're putting in a new stuff. Well, what is that new stuff, Tom? Can you clarify kind of what did God put in? What For clarity, what happens to us internally? If the old's gone, then what's put in? 
Well, the old being the old nature, the nature that was bent, I would say even hell-bent on sin <laughs> and choosing sinful behaviors nice, yeah. that's regulated by the fleshly desires, that's gone. And so the new that's been put in is a new, new nature that desires the things of God. That new nature desires to not only do what's right, but also to experience rightness and to experience always being right with God, to be able to be in God's presence without hanging your head in shame because of sin. Mm. We'll talk about this probably later, but that shame doesn't have to be there for us. That's another thing that's new for us. We can mm. we can walk into God's presence without that shame because He's taken care of that. Mm. He removed it from us. Yeah, so we've been given a new identity. Um, that's part of the new. What else has been done, uh, Greg? My experience is very similar to what Tom has said. The moment I got on my knees mm. to receive my spiritual birth, I got, I got off the bed and onto my knees, and I said, God, if you're out there, if Jesus Christ, who this person says you are, come into my life, show me my sins forgiven. Mm. And in that moment, when I trusted Jesus, all my sins, I, I didn't have any guilt of my sin, and probably even greater is that I had no shame. Mm. Yeah. And that went on probably for three months beyond. Then I got into the spiritual warfare part, <laughs> which we're not in yet. Sure. But the moment my spirit was born again by the Holy Spirit is what happened. My main takeaway yeah. from being born again. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I like how you said like the, your spirit, because we, we also receive the Holy Spirit within us. So we've been given a new identity, and part of that identity is that we have God's spirit living in us. And so how do we explain to people that when the old's removed, what was the old spiritual part, and what's, how do we get the spirit? Does that make sense? Like, how, how does that transformation happen? Well, no, I mean, it's instantaneous at your salvation, yeah. complete regeneration by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But what I like about it, when we talk about um, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. what does that mean exactly? Yeah. And when they quote, old things are passed away, all things are become new, a lot of people think, well, I have a new start, a fresh start. I can forget the past and just start plugging away forward for God. But mm-hmm. it's that new being he has created in you, something out of nothing. And that word new creation means to create something out of some, what wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And so as he made us a new creation, as you all have said, I have a new nature. I have a new spiritual capacity. I have new desires. And what's so fantastic about that is he completed it. Yeah, I hear so many people talk about, oh, I pray that you get the second blessing or you get filled with the Holy Spirit or that more comes and more comes. Right. And it says in Colossians 2.10, we're completing him. We have everything we need in Second Peter. Yeah. And that's been finished and done. And that's just such a um, relieving factor for mm. me. Yeah, I love the illustration from nature when a caterpillar goes from being a caterpillar to a butterfly. Mm. And when you look at the two creatures... They don't look the same. They don't act the same. Hmm. They have two totally different sets of desires. But yet the way the caterpillar came into existence is it came out of a death experience. Something died. Hmm. Something was reborn into a new life, new desires, new motivations, hmm. totally different. Pa- and, you know, a caterpillar walks around on, on all these legs and eats leaves and a butterfly <laughs> Flits around on wings and flies yeah. and drinks nectar. Okay. Oh, and one's beautiful and one's ugly. I mean, we'll just exactly, say it, right? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, to take it back to your analogy, Mark, is you know, you removed the old house all the way down, got an excavator, took it down, and then miraculously, a new house appears out of nothing, all the wood, perfectly 
built and everything like that. It's kind of what happened internally. The moment of salvation for us is God out of nowhere makes us new. He's removed everything about the old sinful self, sinful nature, the old dead spirit, and now we have an alive spirit that's connected to the him and his spirit with new identity, new desires like you've talked about. One other aspect of this is that we've also been grafted into the new covenant, right? And so at Jesus' death and resurrection, the new covenant came into effect. You know, some people might think the new covenant happened in, you know, you, you look at your Bible and there's the Old Testament or another word for testament is covenant, and then there's a New Testament, new covenant, and it starts in Matthew, but it really starts at Jesus' death and his resurrection. So that's kind of a symbolization of our rebirth as well. Jesus coming back from the dead, well, we are crucified, buried, and raised with Christ as well. So you have been raised with Christ. Now, what is your role in joining that new covenant, and what is your experience like when you join that new covenant and experience it? Well, first of all, Salvation, a relationship with God, has always been by faith, not by works, even through the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. But what the Old Covenant was was an arrangement before God of our behaviors, the appropriate behaviors of a correct relationship that would um, request His provision, His presence, and all of that. And so the Old Covenant being based on what we do, achieving system, and the New Covenant, of course, is based on what God did and was completed through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the I'm dwelling with the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And so what that means to me is now I can quit striving and achieving, and now there's no guilt or shame or loss if I fail to, but I can rest on what he's done, and I simply am receiving from him and then having him move me out in a response to what he would like me to do with that. Hmm. Well, what Jesus told the apostles before Pentecost, he said, I don't want you to go anywhere. Don't do anything. Just stay in town. Wait until you have the power. And so the power is at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit entered the believers and was sealed inside. And it was through his empowerment that this transformation has come out, mm. come around. I mean, in fact, that he told them, don't go anywhere, don't do anything. And so to me, the, the key point of our transformation is when the Holy Spirit comes in and births our spirit anew. Mm. You know, when Jesus talked to Nicodemus, he says, you must be born again. So when he was talking about a spiritual birth, he mm. wasn't talking about a physical birth. Yeah. When the Holy Spirit came into me, it transformed me. Yeah. And because of the transformation... I began to behave differently. Like I received Christ about 11.30 or 12. I was out in L.A., mm. and we were fixing to play the Rams. And then the first thing I did when I got off my knees and packed my bags to go catch the charter bus to go to the Coliseum, a teammate of mine was coming down the aisle. And he, and, and I just it just came out of my mouth. I told him that, hey, I turned from my sin and I trusted Jesus. <laughs> and he was my drinking buddy, so he, he just started laughing. He started laughing, and I couldn't figure out why he was laughing. And so I, I went and I took the elevator down, and there was another guy that went to chapel and heard the same message that I did. And, and I, I went up to him, and I said, I, I've given my life to Christ. I mm -hmm. thought somebody would be excited sure, with me, you yeah. know, about, and I, I had never done that in my, my life, ever, mm -hmm. never. I, yeah. I mean, but I got off my knees, and, and I was already telling people about Jesus. <laughs> but that's the transformation of the Holy Spirit, you know. And, and the next guy I told it to started laughing. 
<laughs> you said that, Berlina, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> I haven't heard anything funnier than that. And, and I laughed with him. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I'm never going to share Jesus with anybody again. That was mm-hmm. stupid of me to share Jesus. <laughs> but I had already been born again. The Holy Spirit was in me. And for me, it was I was doing things spontaneously out of the Spirit that I, I'd never done before in my life. I think that highlights what I'm trying to ask in the question is when we enter the new covenant and we're we saved and we get the indwelling spirit who lives inside of us and a new identity, there's a role that we play, right? And there's a role that we play in that, and there's also an experience that comes with that. So, Tom, can you explain well, that a little bit more? When I think about the new covenant relationship that I'm in now, it's a covenant relationship that, that God has initiated mm-hmm. and has gifted to us, asked us to believe and receive and enter into. Yeah. But my mind goes back to another covenant that was made with Abraham. And it was not like the covenant that God made with Moses mm-hmm. in that when God made that covenant with Abraham, he put him to sleep. Yeah. It's like, I don't need you to be a part of this mm-hmm. covenant promise that I'm going to make. And all he asked Abraham to do was just believe it. But he he made a promise an unconditional promise to Abraham, this is what I am going to do. Mm. And it wasn't conditional on what Abraham did following, on what the Israelites did following. It was conditional on what God promised. And so in the same way, that is the new covenant relationship that we're in now. Mm. And uh, maybe I'm jumping ahead in application, but what that means to me is that as I experience that new covenant relationship, God wants to remind me that my role is still to believe that He mm. did everything for me to be here. Yeah. And what that does is it takes the uh, focus off of performance and back onto faith again. It takes away shame and it takes away guilt. Okay. And it doesn't mean that when I do something wrong that I shouldn't regret it, shouldn't repent from it. It just means that I don't have to live under the guilt and shame of that. That's been removed, and I can keep walking forward in my relationship with God. Well, the highlight of that is that the Old Covenant was a system of achieving. You, you, There was a standard of the 613 laws, and you better follow them. And if you don't, you stumble in one way, you failed in all of them. And the New Covenant, as Hebrews says, is a a covenant between God and God. (laughs) And so I like your point there where we have to understand what the new covenant means for us when we are grafted into it. It is. It's about believing what God promised to himself about what that means he's done in our lives, like who he's made us already. And so the follow-up question is, what's that experience like for you? What, what is it like to know that it's not about achieving, but it's about receiving? It's not about striving, but it's about believing. Yeah, for me, Ross, it's been, of course... A journey of rest. And, you know, in Hebrews chapter 4, I think it says, be diligent to enter into his rest Mm -hmm. because he's done it and I don't have to anymore. 
But, you know, we have different types of strengths, physical strength, emotional strength, maybe a spiritual strength. Before I realized this truth of receiving and just taking this posture of reception and him moving me out, my whatever it was, inner strength or spiritual strength and emotional stress was focused on I've got to build this character mm. and make it better that God started. And I need to perform and achieve. And I would go home at the end of the day exhausted. Yeah. Um, and now physically I will go home exhausted because I'm a little tired and my muscles are, but inside my emotional state, my spiritual state is at total rest because he's already done it hmm. and he's doing the work and he's just moving me out and I simply obey with my physical body of what that means. Hmm. Yeah, but what if you didn't do something good today? What if you messed up? What if you sinned? How do yeah. you still do that? Because before I would have um, gone right back into the ditch, I guess, and like Tom said, had shame and guilt mm -hmm. and tried to process that and ask uh, forgiveness many times until I felt forgiven. Mm -hmm. But now I can just say, okay, I took a misstep there. Yeah. And you've already forgiven it. Thank you, Lord. Just move me on and let me learn from that. Train me in righteousness. Mm -hmm. And guilt and shame just exhaust us. It takes yeah. a lot of stress. Yeah, awesome. I was reading an article on a flight a few years ago about Sybil Jordan. She's one of the young ladies that uh, was in that first group that integrated Central High School in Arkansas, which happens to be my home state. Mm. And I was impressed by, she grew up in a Christian home. Her, her parents wanted her to have a good education, and they really stressed that in her life. But obviously what she was going through was very scary. She was experiencing a lot of hatred. Mm -hmm. But her parents would say to her, Sybil, you are loved. You are a loved person. When you walk out of this house, you carry that love with you wherever you go. And it doesn't matter what anybody says to you, what they do to you, you're always a loved person. So mm. when I think about the covenant relationship I have with God, I live on this earth. Yep. I experience the externals of what life throws at you, but I am a loved person and nothing that happens to me can change that. Mm. And so I can live each day as a loved person. Not a pretend thing, but a factual, I am love. That is the quality that I possess because of God. Well, I think that can transition us a little bit in that a lot of times people will think, okay, salvation's about me getting into heaven. Right? I've, I have my sins saved or taken away, and so I'm saved now, and I have a ticket into heaven. And that's an eternal, future-oriented type of idea where the focus is, okay, I'm going to live life, but then I'm going to experience heaven. But what you're saying is if, if God has given us all of that now, then this new covenant should, in fact, help us today. So how do we understand how this truth of a new identity, a new spirit, and a new covenant help us today? For me, it, it goes back to my personal experience, you know, the, my spiritual birth. Uh, after I received Christ, then... It, as Tom said, and also Mark about receiving Christ, we, we receive everything else that follows. But I mean, for me, it was almost like normal, natural, and spontaneous. Hmm. That night after my salvation, I went to bed. I got, I got up like at three or four in the morning and I had this idea, go read the Bible. And I got up and and I went and I started reading the Bible, you know. And it's it's kind of been that. That's the transformation that has happened to me. Mm. And I didn't even realize it then, but I was experiencing heaven on earth at that moment. Well, explain, uh, parse it out a little bit more. Your experience of it was you woke up at 3 a.m. and wanted to read the Bible. But how is that experience heaven on earth now? Okay, well, the basis is Colossians 1.13 
where God has taken us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of light. Mm -hmm. And that's what it was. It was like night and day for me. I mean, the transition took a long time. But as far as when I was born again, I I was transformed. You mentioned when you first uh, started about last week, talked about the death and resurrection of Christ. Mm -hmm. And that took care of our sin nature. And if you don't have a sin nature, if it's not your nature to sin, then it's it's our nature to experience Christ's life. Mm -hmm. And if we're experiencing Christ's life, then we're in heaven. Mm -hmm. And so as I yield my will to the Holy Spirit who lives inside, then I experience uh, heaven on earth. In fact, that's the only way it can be experienced. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm experiencing more and more heaven on earth as I, I yield to the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me. Yeah, you know, there's that momentary at the beginning you've experienced while I was transferred from the kingdom of light to darkness, and what it did is it birthed new desires. All of a sudden, I want to read my Bible for no reason, but not everybody might have felt that way, and so they might be like, well, maybe I'm not saved. I don't know what happened, and the truth behind it is God's going to work inside you, and it's when we surrender to his role in our life and his truth and believe and receive what he's done, then we experience what you're talking about where our desires are like, hey, well, maybe I want to do... X, Y, and Z, where I didn't want to do that before. And so that's kind of the proof of entering that new covenant. That's been powerful in my life, is realizing, and Tom has helped me a lot in that too, that my true desires now are his desires. Mm -hmm. I'm not fighting against myself or against him. He has made me a completely compatible being that is in step with and in harmony with what he wants to do in me. Mm -hmm. So many times we hear stories of, well, God, he's going to ask me to do something I don't want to do. And there's always a conflict, and I feel like I'm fighting something within myself. And so there's half of my effort, my concentration on what do I need to remove or deny or minimize. And when I realize everything that he's made me is in exact concert with what he wants to do, and I, that helps me to relax, to rest in where he's leading, and not fight against myself. Hmm. I'm sure I have my flesh patterns developed that are imprinted in my brain, which is not part of who I am now. Hmm. It's part of my body. But um, what he has made me as a new creation is in total concert with what he wants to do. And that helps me relax, like, what do I want to do? Is that, do I don't want to do that or do it? Well, I want to do what God wants me to do. Yeah, it's yes. kind of like Ezekiel said. He's taking that your heart of stone, giving you a new heart, mm-hmm. and the heart being the seed of your desires. You actually and want what God wants. Then when he says, I'll cause you to walk on my statutes, yep. that means I'll force and coerce you to. No, right. my, my heart in you will be the heart that wants to. Exactly, great. When I think about the, the big story of... God creating humanity to fill up the earth that are filled with His glory. Well, what do you think all those people filled with His glory are doing on the earth? They're living as humans on the earth. They're working, they're playing, they're eating, they're sleeping, they're communicating with one another, they're Mm -hmm. engaging in hobbies, all filled with the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And growing up in a ministry home, even though it was a loving, graceful home, I still caught this idea that when you're doing religious things, religious-looking things, that's when you're displaying the glory of God. And so, I, like Mark said, if I thought, oh, I want to go outside and do such and such, if it had nothing to do with church, I'd think, oh, that's in conflict with you know, displaying the glory of God, and mm. now I've got to make a decision. But there was this conflict of, well, I really want to do that, so what's wrong with me? You know, And I'm now understanding what this great exchange has done to me I can display the glory of God whether I'm reading my Bible, going to church, you know, serving the homeless, 
brushing my teeth, washing dishes, mm. cooking in the kitchen, mowing the yard, going out on the kayak, you know, whatever, I can display the glory of God. lines um obviously as you've grown in your understanding of this great exchange how has that tangibly in real life experiences changed your life or the way you live life well again as i had um stated before my thought process mm. it's just dialed down just relax as you anchor yourself to truth and it comes into harmony with that Everything just kind of lines up. I was I'm working with a young man once who was, was ADD. And as we anchored his thoughts into the truth, he came in one day. He said, I don't think I'm ADD anymore. <laughs> so I don't know what he was you know, technically described as before or not, but he said, my mm. thoughts now, they're anchored. Mm. They're not all over the place. So that's what's helped me is just to have settled thoughts mm. and not have imaginations that run away with you. Yeah, that's great. I think that's what I've been saying all along <laughs> from the, the get-go, my personal experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, that's good. I mean, so just more recently, how have you seen how this great exchange has continued to change your life? Well, I mean, just uh, today I was coming out of the house and my wife was cutting the azaleas. And uh, I asked her not to cut the azaleas because I wanted to sprig some of them. And she was out there cutting the azaleas. And all of a sudden I felt unloved, disrespected, and not adequate, not accepted. And I said, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and that's about all I said. But that was enough to give her pain mm. to stop what she was doing so I could get my sprigs that I wanted before she did her <laughs> trimming uh, or pruning. And so to be able to go back and ask her to forgive me for that. Right. So you were saying... What are you doing? Wasn't living out of the spirit. <laughs> Just no. to be clear, right? Yeah. But it was what, the, what are you doing is was my way of punishing her. Yeah. That's a flesh pattern. Sure. Okay. When people hurt you, you hurt them back mm -hmm. by giving them pain. Yep. And if you give them enough pain, then they won't want to go back to that pain anymore. And so the great exchange within you, the spirit led you to go back and ask for forgiveness. And that, and so it's changed it how you, even when you mess up, how you respond to your sin or to your flesh. The great exchange has changed then, okay. Well, I'm constantly reminded when I when I feel like I've I'm making bad choices or thinking wrong thoughts or, or entertaining wrong thoughts, not just thinking but entertaining them. What we're talking about, this great exchange, I'm reminded that the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, Tom, the, that's not who you are. You're mm. not operating out of your who right now. Mm. That is flesh pattern. In the moment, though, it feels like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with me? There's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And then the Holy Spirit very calmly and gently and lovingly reminds me of what I've received. Mm -hmm. You know, I am not just some pauper living on the outside of the kingdom who comes in and visits. I live in the kingdom. I live in the house of the king, and I've been adopted as one of his kids mm -hmm. with all the rights and privileges that follow. 
Well, I th- it gives us a great example of how, you know, the last three weeks are all kind of bunched together with the flesh and then God's solution and then this week. Because we have to understand that, you know, because of our old identity and our old sinful nature, what's happened, what's been changed, right? And so we have to understand that we still sin because of the flesh and the body of sin that lives within us, but that's not who we are, like you said. Who we are now has been exchanged from the old sinful self to a new, spiritually alive child of God. And that identity has such a powerful impact on people. We were talking before the podcast started about how people's lives are really transformed when they understand their identity of who they are and what that exchange means for them because they no longer look at their sin anymore as, I'm the problem, I'm sinning, it's me, me, me. Because we know, as Greg said before, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Right? It's, it's a spiritual battle, but that battle has been completed and finished on the cross. That's not us anymore. That Old Testament scripture that says his mercies are new every morning, in this new covenant relationship, I mean, in any given day, there's a lot of mornings. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Okay, so uh, taking it one step further, we've talked about needs. We've talked about how we have, you know, every human has intrinsic uh, needs, uh, physical, obviously, but also emotional and psychological. The new covenant affects those, how we try to get our needs met, because apart from God, the only way we can try to get our needs met is from the world around us. But when we enter the new covenant, all of a sudden that changes. So how does this great exchange change the way we get our needs met? Well, to me, he is the one who has originated and completed the work in me. And so that has convinced me that he is my ultimate provider as well. For what he's done, he will now continue to supply. And I know we're going to talk later about what causes me not to believe that at certain moments. Mm -hmm. But just knowing the truth, and it's based on Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, that he is the only one who can completely fulfill me Mm -hmm. and satisfy me because he has made me after his design to operate out of his life. And in so many practical ways that has helped me back off a moment or relax my mood, my attitude, or say, okay, this is not about you. This is about them. Mm -hmm. Stop and listen to know that he meets my needs for acceptance, for worth, for respect. Yeah, in moments of conflict, and whether it be a relational conflict or a life decision conflict, if I operate from the flesh, from walking according to the flesh, I will try to, as a human being, be creative in coming up with solutions for those situations. But when I'm operating from who I really am in Christ, in that covenant relationship with Him, then I don't have to depend on my creativity. I can depend on the creator, mm-hmm. the one who can speak a word and, it, and his word comes into existence. I mean, that is who I'm in covenant relationship with. Do you have, like, can you give the audience maybe an example of how you've done that, actually made that choice in the moment? Because a lot of times that can sound good. Right, right, right. right. But how do we, uh, what's that look like? Well, for example, you know, we're going through some really rough times, not just in our world, but in our country right now. There is the temptation to walk in fear, walk in what's going to happen, you know, to Mm. be anxious. And even though those things may affect me physically, you know, maybe not now, but maybe later, the immediate is. When I trust in God in this moment, hmm. I can still walk through those in peace. How? 
uh, by depending upon the Holy Spirit who lives in me, who is my provision of peace. Yeah. I mean, I'm literally feeding on His peace in that moment. Yeah. I'm not generating it from something that's going on outside of me. I'm, I'm receiving it from something that's a source within me. Well, speaking along those lines about the immediate now and how that impacts us, um, I've I'm wired, I think, for activity. I love to work out. I like to stay in shape. I was at the gym before I came over here. Mm-hmm. And the downfall of that is I might take much pride in my physical condition or being able to maintain a certain you know, level of activity to mm-hmm. a certain age at 68. And I find myself often finding my worth in that. And mm-hmm. I always have to guard against that. And where is your stamina and your condition and all that? And so March 4th, I found out I have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And it's no, it's not curable. They mm. can just kind of maintain and control it. And it's also a nodule in my lung that was cancerous. And so they've taken a wedge out of my lung, which has affected my stamina at least so far. And I don't know what I face for the next 10 years or so. But in that whole time, as I listened to that, and it just absorbed the shock. And we went home, we cried together, and we just processed it. But Linda looked over me and said, you're not afraid, are you? I said, no, because... God meets my needs, and mm. he is my peace, and he's my rest. Mm. And I don't trust in my physical ability and its sustainability. Mm. And I have to relearn that most every other day, but that's sure. that enabled me to respond to that situation. And so it's a belief that you trust that God is going to provide or has already provided mm. you with a worth, mm. with a value that sustains you through the shocking news like that, right? Mm. Is that what you're saying? Yes, my belief is my reception of what is true, what's real. I don't believe that I initiate God with my belief. I believe that my belief enables me to receive mm-hmm. what He initiates. Yeah. Okay. So I don't want people to think that if they just believe something, it's going to happen. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's what God's already mm-hmm. done. It's what He's already we place done. our belief in that. Yeah. One of the exactly. pictures I like to use is I'm sure I've used this on the podcast before, so forgive me, but oh, beautiful spring water and then a desert. And it's just simply that belief of when we're transferring in the kingdom of light and darkness, I use it as water and desert, whereas we start in the desert, we're born there. We've got to search for water. We've got to dig. We've got to try to do whatever it takes to try to get water to survive, a.k.a. meet our own needs. And then we're transferred into this lush, amazing pool of water Mm -hmm. that's forever there, and it would be kind of ridiculous of me to start digging down to try to find water. I'm already there. And so it's a belief of what God's already done. He's already placed me in this amazing pool of water. And so I just have to believe, hey, that's where I actually am located. Because a lot of times I will believe that I'm located still in the desert and I'm having to search as as opposed to being in this pool of water. Mm. Well, I have another analogy on that real quick. The supply that God has for us, yeah, it's like this building or my home. That outlet right there has 110 volts of electricity fully supplied there. The water faucet over there, it's slamming at 25 PSIs waiting to come through there as soon as you turn the handle. The water department is not waiting at the street to turn something on if I believe <laughs> it enough to start this handle. Yeah. It's all right there. All I have to do is just plug in sure, and receive yeah. because it's fully entered.
So let's move on a little bit. What's the biggest challenge for you guys in believing or living out or even just comprehending the great exchange itself? What are you still wrestling with when it comes to that, Greg? Well, it's, it's exactly what we've been saying, which I was saying basically is faith. Yeah. You know? And I guess we're going the spiritual struggle is, is to come, but that's basically what it is. Just like with my wife uh, trimming the azaleas, when I saw that, I had a thought come into my mind, mm. a negative thought, yep. and I bid on it, okay? Like I, I had done something wrong. I didn't communicate properly mm-hmm. in order to, to get the results that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so the spiritual warfare is there. But all I have to do is know that greater is he that is in me, the Holy Spirit, than he that is in the world. Yeah. And so by remembering the truth, believing the truth, yep. I can go to my needs being met. Okay, I mentioned inadequacy and acceptance. I have to believe that I'm adequate in Christ because Scripture says I'm adequate. And then when that happens, that engages what Mark was saying. It engages the faith to believe I don't need her to do what I ask her to do to be accepted mm. or to be adequate. Yeah. And so by doing that, then I experience the victory of Christ's life or living heaven on earth here. Yeah. What other challenges do you guys face? Mine are, my two biggest lies, or my two, and two of the top five maybe, <laughs> is I'm afraid you don't like me because I'm unlikable, mm. and I'm afraid I'm not man enough, so I'm inadequate. Mm. And the affirmation I would seek uh, as the enemy would try to call out that lie is I want your response to what I say or what I do. I want it to be something that, that made you happy mm. and, and drew you to me. Sure. So that's one thing that always comes into play with me and my wife and with other interpersonal arrangements. And I can relax and say, okay, this isn't about you. This is about them mm. or about what God is doing. So take that off yourself and just relax and see what God's going to do. And the inadequacy, too. I want my achievement, my effort or whatever to have someone say, good job, and I want it to have some significance. But the outcome is not what defines me. And so I've learned that to rest in that in practical ways. Yeah, so the challenge would be the lies you're believing, mm-hmm. like the, the lies that impede you from believing the truth. And those lies can originate at any time, any moment from Satan or from the world or wherever, from your experience. And so that's the, the barrier of what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say that mine is the same. The challenge are the lies. Mm. One of my big lies is I'm not included. I mean, I'll yeah. give you an example. Yesterday, someone said, oh, did you see that article that Mark wrote? It's really good. And I said, no, I didn't see that. Well, he sent it to everybody. So I look on my phone, and <laughs> it's not there. And, and they said, well, here, read it here. And I read it, and it was a really great article. Yeah. And so I thought, well, maybe it went into spam. So I looked mm. at my spam. It wasn't there. And I thought... <laughs> Uh, then, and then the lie creeped in. If you spam in. me, you don't like me. But <laughs> Mark, he deliberately did not send that to me. And I, and I wasn't entertaining that thought, but that thought was there. Yeah. And I knew where it was, where, what the source of the thought was from, sure. because the enemy knows that that lie will trip me up. Mm. And a few minutes later, I looked again, and there there was an article. It just showed up a lot later <laughs> in my account. But it's funny how something just that small, well, in that moment. I was not experiencing covenant relationship. Hmm. I was entertaining hmm. f- lies that were putting me underneath, and it was just flesh, yeah. pure flesh. One thing I want to highlight is the answers you guys didn't say, which is that you're not the obstacle, right? It's because what we've talked about from the very beginning, we've been made new. So the issue isn't you, Tom, or you, Mark, or you, Greg, or even me. 
individually or corporately, it's the lies and Satan and the sin in the world and us choosing to believe those things. And so I think that's where that verse comes in, you know, the transformation of the mind is where we are, or the renewing of the mind is where we're transformed. And so we're transformed into being able to understand and believe and live out the truth more, the more and more we set our mind on the truth and reject the lies. So and along those lines, let's transition. We have one example that was perfect, lived his life on this planet perfectly, and that's Jesus. So how does the great exchange and Jesus's life help to show us what it is we can experience and what it is that we have? Well, simply the fact that Jesus actually did it not just modeled it, but he became a human and emptied himself of his godly abilities mm. and simply chose in each moment to depend on his Father and to um, take his charge or be initiated by the Father and enjoy intimacy with him, knowing that, that that's how he expressed God's life and expressed the Christian life to me, and then now knowing that, that Christ lives inside of me in his full presence and experience. And he said, quit trying to do that for me. Quit trying to model this after me. I'm going to do it through you. Mm. Just continue to receive my supply and my animation and initiation, and you just follow through with whatever I would lead you to do. But the dependency is from me because I live in you. Mm. John 15, 5, Jesus said to his disciples, I am the vine, I'm the life force, you are the branches, he who abides in me, I abide in him. He will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And that fact resonates with me knowing that the way he lived his life, he he said, I do, as Mark pointed out, I, he says, I do nothing of my own initiative. Everything you, you see me doing is what the Father's doing. And that's how he lived his life. And so now to live in him, with him, through him is not apart from him. Mm. And so anything that I can do, is in and through Him. Yeah, because you abide in Him, and exactly. that's just a place, a location. It's where I live. Yeah, it's where you live. It's your abode. Then it's something that flows naturally out of that. Yeah, exactly. I can't get away from James 4, 7. It's, it's over and over. It just resonates in my mind over and over and over and over. It's submit to God, resist the devil. So all the different circumstances we have in life, it's not resistant circumstances, but resist the devil. Mm. But the key to that, the key to the Christian life, the key to experience the mind of Christ, the key to experience the receiving system, the key to experience the new covenant, the key to experience the mind of Christ in everything we think, do, and say, uh, and even all our behavior stems from yielding to the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Mm. This leads right into intimacy with him. As, as I walk in intimacy with him moment by moment, he tells me what to do, and as long as I submit to him, I'll experience heaven on earth. But the moment I don't ex- submit my will to him, then I'm acting on my own initiative mm. and experience the deeds of the flesh, and, and I'll sometimes act like even a non-Christian. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, just as a review, I think it's good for us to just highlight we have been made new at the core. Mm. And because of that, the Holy Spirit then takes up residence inside of us, and now we are children of God. And so I think it's a great takeaway for our audience that we're able to just communicate to them that if they place their trust in Christ, they're completely reborn in that moment. They're the beautiful butterfly, the brand new house, and they can take that to the bank every day, no matter what, whether they're sin in the middle of sin, in the middle of church, they might be in the middle of both of those at the same time, but no matter what's <laughs> happening, right, their location is in Christ. He loves them, he's accept them, he's meeting their needs, and they are his child no matter what. 
So thank you guys so much for the discussion. I really appreciate your time. So next time, next week, we're going to be back for episode 10. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks, Ross. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Next week, we will look at our new identity. This look inward will take us on a thrilling ride of self-discovery of what it means to finally be in God's family. The Living in Jesus podcast is a production of Christian Families Today and is produced and edited by Ross O'Hare and Ben Berzina. Christian Families Today is a nonprofit discipleship counseling, coaching, and training ministry focused on equipping men, women, and children how to build biblically healthy lives and families. You can visit our website at cftministry.org to find this podcast, information about the Living in Jesus study, and other free content. If you were encouraged by this podcast, it would mean a lot to us if you would take a minute and leave us a review. This podcast and all of our free content is made available to you because of the generosity of people from all around the world, people just like you. God bless and see you next week.